We don't have water, don't have food. How many times are we waiting? I don't know. We don't know how many times are waiting. This is not the situation. As you see, everybody almost dying of the cold, hunger and everything. As winter approaches, thousands of people are waiting on the Belarus-Poland border. From young children to the elderly, they're all dressed as best they can for the cold conditions, hoping to find refuge before the weather worsens. Some have chopped down trees in the forests to make fires for heat as they wait. But the worst of the winter is still ahead of them. At least 10 people have so far died in the freezing conditions. But this is no ordinary case of refugees and asylum seekers. Accusations from the EU are that the Belarusian president, Alexander Lukashenko, is using these people as a pawn to put pressure on the political bloc. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, James Haynes-Young. And this week, we're looking at why thousands of people are trapped between Belarus and Poland as the deadly weather closes in. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to Beyond the Headlines to keep up to date with all the latest episodes. Thousands of people have travelled from the Middle East to Minsk, the Belarusian capital, trying to make their way to Europe. Many say that they are leaving behind a life with few opportunities. Economic crises and war in places like Syria, unemployment and little hope for a better life in parts of Iraq. And now, they're walking through the forests in Belarus, wearing padded jackets and boots, slowly traipsing towards Poland. But rather than the promise of a welcome to the European Union, with the chance to apply for asylum and potentially begin a new life, they are meeting barbed wire fences and rows of soldiers. Some of those who have managed to get to Poland have just then been swiftly deported back home. Here's Oleg Ignatov a senior analyst focused on Russia for Crisis Group, an independent global organization of experts focused on preventing and resolving conflicts. At first, Poland allowed some migrants to come to the country, and then Poland closed its border. And as I understand, Poland got support from the European Union. So Poland is not going to allow these people to come to the country. And so there are different videos about clashes on the border between migrants and between Polish border guards. The position of Poland is very uh, firm, that they are not going to uh, allow people to come to to the country, and uh, that Belarus doesn't have border with uh, Iraq and doesn't have border with Middle Eastern country. And so the people that Belarus facilitates this process and that Belarus helps Uh, these migrants to come to the country and then send them to the border. And so Poland thinks that uh, Lukashenko is behind this process and Poland is not going to compromise. Poland's ruling Nationalist Party has said that they will not permit any more migrants into the country through the Belarus border. They sent 20,000 border police and tanks to guard the frontier. Water cannons and tear gas have been fired at people trying to cross. The Belarus president considers this military reaction a threat. We understand what it means today to conduct a war with those poor people on Poland's border with Belarus. 
and move columns of tanks. It's clear that this is some training or a blackmail. But the European Union and NATO are accusing Lukashenko of coordinating this migrant crisis as a political ploy. Danish Foreign Minister Jeppe Kofud spoke at a meeting of EU foreign ministers. Uh, We need a strong message that this is totally unacceptable, what we see from Lukashenko and Belarusian side right now. They They are using migrants, irregular migrants, as a weapon. Lukashenko is accused of using the refugees at the border of the EU states to apply pressure and to threaten instability as a reaction to sanctions imposed on his country. The EU intends to counter the pressure at the Belarus border with further sanctions on Belarus. Josep Borrell is the EU foreign policy chief, and he said that Europe would take action against anyone that was involved in bringing migrants to Belarus or helping them reach the edge of the EU. The sanctions are always effective. They're always effective because they affect people. They affect their wealth and their capacity of movements. And today we are going to approve a new package of sanctions against uh, Belarusian people responsible for what's happening in the country. And we are going to enlarge the framework in order to think, to implement other sanctions to other people, airlines, travel agencies, and everybody involved on this illegal push of migrants in our borders. It's also not just about migration. Lukashenko has also threatened to cut off gas supplies from Russia to Europe before the winter. The 27 EU states currently rely on Russia for about 38% of their imported natural gas. A large quantity of that passes through pipelines in Belarus. That threat, however, has drawn more threats from the EU. And even comments from the Russian president Vladimir Putin who said that he'd be speaking to his Belarusian counterpart to make clear he did not want to see that happen. So what is going on between the EU and Belarus? Why is there such animosity? That story goes back to the last elections in Belarus. Lukashenko has been in power since 1994. In August 2020, he claimed to have won an election with 80% of the votes. But this claim sparked protests across the country, with opposition parties forming a coordination council to challenge the results and bring about a change in power. People on the streets simply didn't believe the results. Opposition parties said that there were allegations of vote rigging and a lack of independent observers to ensure that the vote had been fair. Many countries around the world also refused to accept the results, including most Western Europe, the US and Canada. The general consensus among these countries was that the elections were neither free nor fair. What followed, Europe said, was a violent crackdown by the government on the protesters, with pitched battles in the streets and thousands of arrests. Oleg explains how Lukashenko dealt with the anger against him. But no one believed that he won this election and people uh, went to the streets the mass rallies and protests, the clashes between people and uh, between citizens and police. People went on the streets and these uh, protests lasted about a couple of months. Uh, but Lukashenko managed to solve these problems. So a lot of people uh, were arrested. 
and um, in general, he sent uh, most of the protesters to the jail. Many members of that coordination council that challenged the election results were either arrested or went into exile. Protesters were rounded up, many of them wearing red and white, the colours of the old Belarusian nationalist flag that has come to represent the anti-Lukashenko protests. The spotlight was firmly on Lukashenko as leaders from around the world condemned the violent reaction to the protests and what they said was the silencing of the opposition. On the 2nd of October 2020, the EU introduced sanctions against 40 people in Belarus for intimidation and repression in a crackdown against opposition to Lukashenko. That was the first of many rounds of sanctions. Belarus made headlines again in May 2021 over a Ryanair flight that was travelling to Lithuania from Greece. While the flight was in Belarusian airspace, the pilot was told by the air traffic control that there was a bomb on board that could be activated unless the plane changed course. On board the flight was Roman Protasevich, an activist and journalist who has been openly anti-Lukashenko. Protasevich was charged in absentia for inciting protests and the Belarus security agency had added him to a list of people involved in terrorist activity. After the plane was diverted and landed in Minsk, Roman Protasevich and his girlfriend Sofia Sapega were both arrested. In response, the European Union, the UK and Ukraine have prevented Belarusian airlines from flying into their airspace and have asked airlines to avoid Belarusian airspace. Sanctions were also placed on individuals in Belarus who were involved or linked to the incident, which was described by the European Union as state-sponsored hijacking. The EU now believes that in the face of these sanctions, Lukashenko orchestrated an influx of migrants into Belarus and then manoeuvred them towards the border. Oleg explains that Lukashenko himself announced that he would not protect European borders. Lukashenko said that Belarus is not going to save European borders. Uh, we will not save European borders against uh, migrants and drugs. And uh, in spring, more and more migrants from Middle East arrived to Minsk. And the first crisis was uh, on, the, on the border with Lithuania. Uh, migrants, uh, most of them are from, uh, from uh, northern Kurdistan, from Iraq. And they arrived to Minsk. Then they uh, went uh, from Minsk to Lithuanian border and they tried to enter the European Union. Although Lukashenko said he would not protect the borders, the accusations against him are that he actively facilitates the increase in migrants to the EU. So Lithuania accepted part of the migrants, but then they closed the border and uh, they said that it was a handmade crisis and Lukashenko is behind this crisis and the Belarusian authorities are facilitating this process. So to enter Belarus, People from the Middle East need visas, and they made the process easier. It became easier to get a Belarusian visa, and the different uh, touristic firms in the Middle East, of course, they also have uh, social networks, as you know, different uh, messengers, and people got information through these messengers that they now uh, can enter the European Union through Belarus. Lukashenko denies the charge. Lukashenko says that it's not his fault that migrants 
are coming to Belarus, and uh, uh, that's the fault of the West that uh, people want uh, to enter the European Union. They want to enter Germany. But the European Union thinks that this crisis is handmade and that Lukashenko facilitated uh, this process. And I mean, Belarusian authorities help people to come to Belarus and help them to get to border, or at least they don't prevent them to uh, come to the border and they, they don't prevent their attempts to enter Poland. Some have spent their life savings trying to get to the EU. They pay a lot of money to get to Belarus and they enter Belarus and then they try to enter the European Union. In the Russian media, the reports that they pay from $2,000 to $10,000 for these tours to Belarus. So they pay these money firms and these firms pay to uh, Belarusian embassies in the Middle East. Even though some have paid their entire life savings, they are now stranded in the cold and the wet, with little food and little chance of actually getting asylum or even entry to the EU. On November 18th, Iraq organised the first repatriation flight for hundreds of nationals stranded in Belarus who just wanted to return home instead. Many had witnessed the harsh realities of the winter, packed up and started to make their way home. My finger not work in, not work in jungle because so-called I and my brother, uh, if he die, what I am doing? Uh, maybe tonight is die, but I'm come here and I, my life right now is safe. I, I don't know for after. The battle being waged over sanctions and migration that has put on the line the lives of thousands of people from the Middle East who are just searching for a better future also risks something potentially much more dangerous. Poland deployed its own military and called in help from allies across Europe and NATO, the Western Defence Organisation. In return, Belarus turned to its patron and very close ally, Russia. As Western soldiers lined the Polish side of the border, Belarusian and Russian soldiers conducted joint paramilitary drills on the other side. There has been a build-up of Russian military near the border with Ukraine, and Lukashenko in November said that he wants Russia to deploy two nuclear-capable Iskander missile systems. Videos have even indicated that there have been sporadic confrontations between troops stationed along the borders, although so far there has been no major escalation. All parties involved, and Russia, the US, the EU, and even Lukashenko himself, say they don't want an escalation that would be dire for everyone. But the posturing and the military displays are not conducive to compromise. Oleg thinks that the chance of this compromise is low, but there are two viable options on the table. We see that the position of the European Union is very strong. The European Union is not going to recognise this crisis as a refugee crisis. So they say that it's a orchestrated crisis, handmade crisis. And this crisis was created by Lukashenko and Belarusian authorities. And that the European Union is, at least now, is not going to compromise too. So the first option is to to allow these people to come and to negotiate with Lukashenko. And as I understand, that's what Russia and Lukashenko want. So they want that the European Union allows these people to enter Poland 
and then to negotiate with Lukashenko. And after that, Belarus will not allow new uh, migrants to come to the country and the crisis will be solved. The second option that we will see this crisis for a long time, and uh, Poland is not going to compromise, the European Union is not going to compromise, and you know that the winter is coming and it's very cold, Uh, it's getting colder and colder, and uh, it will be snowing there, and so winters in Poland and Belarus are hard, and so either Belarus helps these people and helps them to survive during winter, or Belarus and Middle Eastern countries help them to return to their countries. The situation on the border of Poland is not Europe's only migration crisis. In 2015, millions of Syrians, Iraqis, Iranians, Pakistanis, Afghanis, as well as countless others, made their way through Turkey and risked the journey on inflatable rafts to reach Greece. There, they headed overland to the likes of Germany. Thousands of people died on that journey. People today are still dying trying to cross the Mediterranean to seek a new life in Europe. While the EU has a system to grant asylum to those that it deems as having sufficient grounds to require protection and resettlement, those rules don't lay out clear pathways for those outside the EU to seek such protection. After the experience of the crisis following 2015, that put a strain on the bloc's very identity, few European states are willing to compromise on the issue of migration. The large flow of people coming through Turkey slowed dramatically when Brussels agreed to pay Ankara billions of euros to continue hosting people there. Again, today, the European Union is faced with a question about how it stands up for human rights and for freedoms of those that are not members of its union. Lukashenko may well be exploiting that, knowing that it's such a contentious issue across Europe, even when the actual dispute has little to do with the lives of the thousands of men, women and children who have travelled thousands of miles in search of a new life, only to find themselves as pawns in a geopolitical game. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, James Haynes-Young. Thanks this week to Oleg Ignatov. This week's episode was produced by Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. If you want to get all the latest episodes of Beyond the Headlines, hit subscribe in your podcast app. And if you can leave us a review while you're there, it makes a big difference.